Welcome to the Lady Landlords Podcast, where we empower women to gain financial freedom through real estate investing. I'm your host, Becky Nova, founder of Lady Landlords. If you're ready to buy, manage, and grow your real estate investing portfolio, then let's get started. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Lady Landlords Podcast. My name is Becky Nova. I am the founder of Lady Landlords, and today I'm going to be giving to you my 2023 wrap-up, and we're going to be talking about wins, losses, and lessons that I've learned over this past year. So if you've been listening to our podcast for a while, I do this at the end of every single year. It's actually really kind of fun. I like to go back and think about where I was and what I've been working on, and also what's next for me within my own real estate investing portfolio. So... We always like to start with wins. We always like to really think about what things went really well this year. So what went really well for me this year is I start every year off telling my husband that I'm not going to buy another rental property this year. And I ended up buying rental properties this year. So this is something that I'm still kind of in a growth stage. My husband and I, who I invest with, we really function as different people. I am much more of a risk taker. I'm always kind of looking for that next best thing. My husband is a little bit more on the conservative side, and we always have to balance out those two different perspectives. My husband is also the one that deals a lot more with the day-to-day of the properties, so I can totally understand why he's like, no, slow down. Let's just make sure that he can take care of all the ones that we have before then going and buying more. But Over the past five years that I've been investing, I love being able to see what we've been able to do for our financial bottom line and being able to kind of continue to grow and being able to increase what our revenue and our income and our wealth overall really looks like through rental properties. So not quite done buying. Sorry, honey. We got a couple more to go here. But this year, we picked up some really great properties. And one that actually is my absolute favorite and the one that I'm most excited about. So let's talk about that one first. If you've been in Lady Landlords or following us for a while, you probably know by now that I actually split my time between New York and the Dominican Republic. That's actually where my husband is from. And part of our goal was to be able to spend our time in both countries. My goal is actually to never see snow again in my life, which means I can't be in New York all year round. So instead, I trade in my snow shovel for a sand shovel, and I get to go down to the Dominican Republic and spend time there. But back in the winter of 2021, when my husband and I decided that this was going to be the way that we were going to live our lives moving forward, we needed to buy a property down there. We already own a long-term rental in Santo Domingo, the capital of the Dominican Republic, and it had that for a couple of years. But we really wanted to have a place that was then going to be our home base in the Dominican Republic. We had already identified the area that we wanted to be in, but we needed to really find that property that was going to be right for us. It was something that we had decided that we would be living in while we were there, but then also rent out and use as a short-term rental during the times that we weren't. So we had a look from the perspective of us, but also of what would be appealing for renters to come. So. When we were down there in the winter of 2021, still during the pandemic, it gave us the opportunity to check out a lot of different complexes. Now, we had stayed randomly in this amazing complex on the beach in Punta Cana, and we loved it. But we needed to see what else was out there. 
And that first winter, we spent a bunch of time looking at other complexes, other neighborhoods, other towns, even another city or two that was really close to the East Coast of the Dominican Republic. But we kept really coming back to the place that we absolutely just loved in Punta Cana, the place that we were actually staying at. At that time, there was actually a couple properties that were up for sale, and they were actually really good prices. A lot of people weren't sure what was going to happen now with the pandemic. They had really low numbers of people that were traveling there. You have to remember this was still when a lot of countries weren't allowing people to travel, when visas were a very different process, when a lot of people weren't really sure if they left the country, if they can come back, and we all had to get COVID tests between different flights. So it was still this very scary time that January through April of 2021. So when we looked at making an offer on those properties, what came up is on average, let's say the properties we were looking at were around $200,000. Now, we were able to get financing for them, but the financing was just really expensive and really something that we just didn't want to go that route. It was an opportunity to do it, but just it really skewed what our numbers looked like, especially when we weren't sure what we can count on from the rental business due to the pandemic. If we had paid cash for that property and was able to give us a better deal and didn't have to account for the financing portion of it, we were like, that's a big chunk of change, $200,000 in cash. We were like, there's still a lot of other things we could really do with that property. So as much as it pained me, pained me to put off and delay that gratification of having really the property that I wanted in my dream home, we decided that that was something we were going to have to put on hold. The reason for that is because for that same $200,000, we could do so much more in the United States with that money. What I mean by that is $200,000 is really a down payment on almost a million dollar property. So to us, when we thought about it, we said, well, what's really the best use of that $200,000? We can either put down $200,000 and get a $200,000 asset, or we can take that $200,000 and get a million-dollar asset. And unfortunately, at the time, that was really the one that was going to win. We were, back in 2021, still concerned about the carrying costs if we didn't have anybody renting that property, what that would look like, making sure to get that property set up, making sure that it would be really an attractive Airbnb. Because let's be real, there are a ton of Airbnbs and a ton of competition down in Punta Cana in the Dominican Republic. It's a beach town. Yeah. That's what every apartment there is doing. So in order for us to really make sure we can stand out, there were just upgrades that we were going to want to make to attract clientele to us. And that was also going to cost some money. So we said, you know what? It looks like this is something we're going to have to put on hold. Let's go ahead. Let's take that same $200,000. Let's buy a million-dollar property in the States, bring in that extra cash flow that we can be making here, and then take that and use that to go buy our dream. So that's what we ended up doing. We went back to that same complex in the Dominican Republic in 2022, and we did the same thing. We looked at a whole bunch of different complexes, new construction, old construction. We looked at different setups. We looked at what was on the beach, what was a little bit off the beach. We looked at different price points. We looked at anything that was kind of up and coming. And we kept coming back to, no, the complex we were staying at was really just the place that we love. It was beachfront. We have our own beach club. We have our own private beach with our own lounge chairs. I mean, it was like a hundred steps from like our door 
to literally where I would be sitting on the beach reading and literally be able to have somebody bring over from the beach club my own pina colada for me. I mean, I couldn't, couldn't ask for anything more. So when then we went back in 2023, I said to my husband, two things. One, we are now in the financial situation where we can buy that property. And if it doesn't rent, we'll be okay. It was now time for us to say it's okay for us to do the thing that we want and the thing that we really value and the thing that we've worked so hard for for so many years. It was so cool to see that kind of come to fruition to say, hey, now that we've saved and we've skimmed and we've sacrificed and the other things that we've been spending money on, now it's time for us to really be able to get rewarded and get the thing that we really wanted. I also told him that we were only going to look at that complex. By this point in time, we'd seen every other project out there. So to me, there was no comparison needed. We didn't need to waste our time looking at these other complexes when we knew the place that we wanted to be able to buy. So I said, that's it. We're just going to look in that complex. This is our price point. This is our budget. And that's what we would be moving forward with. So when we got down there in January 2023, it was really important for us to look at everything that was on the market. Now, other countries do things differently when it comes to real estate. In the Dominican Republic, really anybody can kind of be a realtor. There's really kind of no licensing. There's not that same setup. There's also not really an MLS. So it becomes incredibly confusing because you have to speak to so many different realtors to actually find out what's on the market and what's available. So we went through that in a very short period of time where we had to go see all these properties, talk to different realtors. We had realtors that were showing us units that we'd already seen with somebody else because the level of competition for realtors there is just so much more cutthroat. They usually don't even show you things that aren't their own listings. They're looking to be both the buyer's agent and seller's agent to be a dual agent. That's what they're really looking for. So sometimes they won't even show you things that they personally don't have or that their brokerage doesn't have. So after looking at, I don't know, probably eight, nine places, putting in offers, I think on one or two that we really were excited about, they just didn't work out. Also there, what's interesting is somebody might list their property for a certain number, say 235, and you go, great, I'll take that place. 235 is what we're willing to give you, paying all cash. And people would be like, eh, you know what? Actually, I want to raise my sale price to 265. And you're like, what are you talking about? You put it on the market for one price. You can't change it. But down there, they can. There's also not really appraisals. So people can really kind of ask whatever they want. And also, they don't have to sell to you if they don't want to. So after going through that and really being disappointed by a couple options here, we got word from other people that actually lived in the complex where we were. By this point, we knew everybody there. It was the same people that were really snowbirds that went down to this complex. So we'd met them in 2021, 2022, now 2023. And they were really on our side trying to help us be able to find the right place. And one of them gave us a lead on a two bedroom, which we were not looking for. We were looking for a one bedroom. That was what was really in our budget and our plans. But it was a two bedroom. It included a car, all of the furniture, and the sellers were actually offering seller financing on the property. And we were like, well, that's kind of interesting. We figured at some point we would probably upgrade to a two bedroom. But this we thought was really appealing because we were able then to spend the money of what we wanted as the one bedroom, as the down payment, and then really seller finance the part that would make it 
the difference between purchasing a two-bedroom versus a one-bedroom. What was actually interesting is that the couple that was selling it is actually a Canadian couple. They had lived in the Dominican Republic year-round. They weren't just the snowbirds that came down. So their property actually had so much more than the other properties we were looking at. What I mean by that is the other properties that we were looking at were mostly used as Airbnbs, and the owners would come down and live there for maybe two, three, four months out of the year. But since the people that we were buying from lived there year-round, they added in some extra niceties for their own comfort. For example, they had a dishwasher. That was not standard in the other units, but they lived there year-round, and that was something that they really wanted to be able to have. They had an espresso machine. They had an upgraded refrigerator. They had all these other little things that just made that house a home that the other units didn't have. So to me, we actually kind of got extra bonus stuff. They had so many towels and glasses and wine glasses that it was great from an Airbnb perspective because in that way, if a client broke something, we already had backups. And that was actually built into the price. It also was absolutely fantastic to be able to get a car, which was something that we were already planning on buying anyways in that property. So it was crazy because I felt like we ended up kind of buying these people's life. But they were really living the life that my husband and I hope to have in the future. So it was really kind of fitting. It's great. We actually still keep in touch with that couple today. But as we went through that process, we actually were in a position due to the success of some of our other properties during that time and some of the rehabs that we were doing that we actually didn't have to use that seller financing. That was something that we were actually able to pay off that property in full at the time of closing. And we bought my dream property. So that was absolutely my biggest win for this year. That is something that is just such a special property to me to really be able to have my own home in my husband's native country. That was something that I think is going to be really important for us so I can continue to learn culture, get to be around his family, and really see the place that he came from. And did all do that while sitting on a beach, by the way. But it was something that was really a huge success. And to me, kind of the pinnacle of everything that I was really trying to do within growing our real estate portfolio and going through this journey of financial freedom up until that point in time. So that to me was absolute win. Then the next thing that I was able to do after once again telling my husband that we would not buy any other properties now in 2023 was I decided that I wanted to buy another rental property. So we now are taking the property in DR. We had come back to the States. We're getting that place ready up as that Airbnb, setting that property up and having it rented. And that was really a lot of our progress over the summer of what we were working on. But kind of by the end of summer, I was like, you know what? I think there's some other opportunities out there. I really saw within the market that with high interest rates, that a lot of people weren't going out there buying and selling their properties. And I was like, you know what? There's probably some good opportunities out there. It might be a great opportunity for me to pick something up where one, I can have some more leverage and negotiation with the seller because I'm not in the crazy competition that we saw back a year, two years ago when interest rates were down in the twos and threes and fours and everybody was moving. So I set out to say, hey, listen, I kind of want to give myself another raise this year. So started looking at properties and I like to keep all my properties together. So besides the Dominican Republic, in New York, I tend to either buy in the Hudson Valley or right outside of New York City between the Bronx and Westchester County. Those are the areas that I tend to like to look in because that's where I already own other properties 
And it makes it so much easier as management, especially when I'm managing the properties when I am down in the Dominican Republic. It's just so nice to have things grouped together. So I identified those two markets for what I was going to be looking in. And I went back through everything that was on the market and called my favorite realtor, Michael Torello, and scheduled a whole bunch of showings. And there were some great opportunities there. There were really some things that even here in New York with the high cost of living and the taxes and everything else that were really going to be bringing in significant cash flow. And when I say significant cash flow, I'm really talking like $500 a door, like plus. There were some really great opportunities out there. So went through a bunch of them. I'm going to talk through parts that didn't go so well, but that's in our loss section of this chat today coming up in a minute. But all of a sudden, one of the properties that popped up was right around the corner from where I own two other buildings with six units and a parking lot. And when I say right around the corner, I literally mean a New York City block, one block away. You can like seat out the window. Fantastic. So it was a triplex. It had tenants in place, some that were Section 8, and they were living there for years and perfectly happy. And the building was in great condition. I got to say, not all the units. I think that there was definitely a little bit of hoarding kind of going on in some of the units, but the mechanicals, the structure of this actual building was just absolutely fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. We could not have been happier to find something that really just had so little work to have to do. And this was something that also, after buying the two-bedroom, which ended up costing us a little over $300,000, I also didn't want to end up in a situation where we had to do a gut rehab and have to lay out a ton of money on the property. It was already a property that was going to be expensive. We were able to get it for $50,000 under ask. The price that we finally agreed on was $800,000. And that's a significant down payment that had to be put down. And that was something that, trust me, I wanted money rolling in from day one with those tenants in place. So happy to say back in November, we actually closed then on that three-family property. So now I had the property in DR, and then also I was able to pick up another unit in Westchester County. So I was really proud of the way that we were able to grow that portfolio. That's now bringing in not even including what we have in the short-term rental because we're living there during the high season. So that really skews what our numbers are. But that's bringing in another like $2,500 a month in cash flow, right? In profit. And that's a huge, huge difference for us. Back in corporate America, I didn't get any raises that were giving me $2,500 a month extra. Hell, that's not even like a promotion, right? Let alone your little yearly salary increase, like that was a huge, huge difference for what we were able to do financially. The other thing that kind of fits under that win category to me was the actual amount of money we spent on properties. I grew up in a family that did not have a lot of money. We were on food stamps when I was a kid. That was something when I moved back from Europe when I was in my 20s, I had a successful business in Europe and I was making great money then. But unfortunately, I had lost my business out there. I owned a tour company. I owned a bar. If you haven't heard that story, I'll make sure to link that down in the comments. But when I was back in my mid-20s, I had really lost everything. I ended up losing my business in Europe and had to come back to the States. I had lost over $100,000. I was in horrible debt. I didn't know where to really go. And as many of us do, when we don't have the financial education or support that we need, 
I really just kind of shied away from it. I was like, we're just not going to open the credit card bills. And I don't know, maybe somebody else will pay them for me. And I really got myself into a hole with that. Over the past couple of years, diving into real estate investing, I really upped my game when it came to financial literacy. And then this is clearly the space that I absolutely love and always wanted to be in and just didn't know it at the time. And now it's a place that I get to focus on helping other women be able to get out of those holes for themselves, but really think about what they can do in the future. So when I look back and realize that I had spent over half a million dollars of my own money on real estate this year, that was kind of crazy. I would have never imagined that I would actually be in a place where I had had that money to let alone spend and then also not be homeless myself and be able to still like eat <laughs> or still do things like that. But honestly, that all came from real estate. I was able to travel. I was in Greece this year. I was back in the Dominican Republic. It's just amazing to still think I've been down to Tennessee a couple of times. I was out in California. It was just amazing to still think that I can still live this life that I want, but yet I'm still growing my portfolio. I'm still bringing in cash flow and increasing my cash flow. But to really put myself in a position where I don't have to worry about being broke or where my next meal is coming from or how I'm going to pay that credit card has really been life changing for me. So, regardless of the actual physical properties, just really being able to pat myself on the back this year and saying like, hey, Becky, you did well. In a few short years, five years really since I started investing, to be able to get to a place where I had half a million dollars of disposable income to go put into rental properties and to buy then more than $1.5 million of assets in a year, I'm pretty freaking proud of myself for 2023. So. Those are my wins. Let's talk losses. Losses this year, I feel like what really came up there, as I'd mentioned in the last section here, losses was interesting because there were a lot of just crappy properties out there. And what I mean by that is when I was looking for properties, I noticed a trend. There were properties that I was able to get, negotiate with seller, got down to a great price. But then when we went into the inspection, found a whole bunch of problems. There was one property. I absolutely loved this property. It was on the same block as two other properties that I owned up in the Hudson Valley. So once again, keeping all my properties together, it's great because I can use the same team, same contractors, same everybody to help me manage that property and help me oversee what needs to be done there. So I was really excited for it. They also had tenants in place, cash flow on day one. I really thought this was going to be a great property for me. It was in great condition from looking at it and looking at the units. But when we got down to the actual inspection, and this is why it's so important to have a great home inspector, there was problems on top of problems on top of problems. I remember I showed up and like I said, all the units, all the tenants there really kept their apartments in great condition, right? They were clean. It was nice and able to see everything. You could tell that there weren't like leaks under the sinks, toilets flushed, all that type of stuff. But my home inspector never made it out of the basement. In that basement, he found that there were issues with the way that the heat was set up that can actually cause a lot of danger to those tenants, that there were foundation issues that also could cause a lot of damage to those tenants. There were all these things that were just huge safety hazards. There were mold issues. I mean, this was just something that I remember my realtor, my home inspector, who I've used both on every single property that I've bought here in New York, 
we were standing in the basement and as the home inspector is going through this list of ways our tenants would be in danger, I just remember my realtor just being like, so can we not talk about how the house could collapse while we're standing in the basement? Like, let's just get out of here. And it was such a valid point. And that was something that we just had to walk away from. And I noticed that a lot of the properties that we were looking at fell into that category of which had issues. It was almost as if everybody that had properties put together and were in good shape had sold their properties back when interest rates were much lower. So it seemed that just the quality of properties were maybe just not as good. It was kind of like the slim pickings of what was actually left for us to really be able to choose from. So that was a little bit different. And that was something that not just I experienced, but also talking to other real estate investors, talking to other realtors, that seemed to be kind of a theme. We had a couple other people also in the lady landlords inner circle that had to walk away from deals as well because the properties were just not safe. Or when we looked at the issues to fix some of these issues during the home inspection, it just completely, completely ate up what our cash flow would be. And our members just had to really walk away from those properties. So that would really kind of be the loss that that I saw this year is it really just made me sad to see properties that current landlords just weren't considering the safety of their tenants. I think that's something that we really need to take seriously. I've always seen myself as a landlord as somebody that provides somebody a home. I might own the house. I own the four walls, fine. But this is where we're providing homes, a place for somebody else to live, another human to live. And it just really made me sad to see other landlords that were not upkeeping their properties well enough to really make sure that their tenants would be safe. So that was really kind of the loss that I had this year. When it came down to lessons and what I want to take into 2024, personally, I'm a big personal development person. I like to do my vision board of what next year is going to look like. I like to be able to plan those things out. I always pick my word of the year and what those things would look like. So to me, thinking back on what I'd learned there were really two main themes that I saw for me in 2023. The first one was patience. Now, patience is not something that this New Yorker is really good at. I'm a very action-oriented person. I like to kind of jump into things. I'm definitely more on the risk-taker type of side of things. So all of a sudden, to be in a place of patience is, is hard for me, to be completely honest. But I feel like what this year showed me was that we can't be making bad decisions when buying properties just to buy doors. It was so much more important to be patient to find the right properties. I always think about what would have happened if I had spent all that money buying a property in the Dominican Republic back in 2021, and then maybe the pandemic lasted longer. Or maybe the Dominican Republic had a travel ban where people were still not able to come from other countries. That would have possibly been a complete financial disaster for my family. And I think that delayed gratification and that patience and really having my plan, really understanding my strategy, not just for the next property, but really for the next two, three, four properties, I think is incredibly important. And we can't be bending this. I feel like I see this all the time in Lady Landlords where people are saying like, oh, I bought this property, but what does it rent for? Well, no, no, we need to know those things up front. Oh, well, I bought this, but then this cost me money and then this cost me money and then this cost me money. And now I'm not making any money. And it's like, no, we need to understand these things up front. I understand that we want to be able to add these properties and be able to grow our portfolio and get to financial freedom. But if you don't know your numbers, you might actually be working 
away from financial freedom instead of getting yourself closer. So really doing your due diligence, really making sure to make data-driven decisions is incredibly important. And to me, I found that all within patients. The second lesson that I felt like I learned within that was also being consistent. I feel like that was something that really helped me this year be able to pick up the properties that I did. The reason for that is because we all have lives. We all have other things that we want to be doing. We all have things that take up our time. And I see so many lady landlords feeling like this is just so overwhelming because we always need to be focusing on all the things that we're doing in real estate investing. And I've never been a proponent of that. Honestly, I see other real estate coaches, mentors out there, especially over on Instagram, that are always just putting out this content of like that they're doing this within real estate and this within real estate and they have to do this. And I'm sitting there being like, that looks exhausting. Those are not the things that I want to be able to do. I am investing in real estate because I want to be able to live more of my life, not be tied to an office or tied to deal analysis all day. Like I want money so I can go live my life the way that I want it, not so I can just give myself a new job, another nine to five, just now working in real estate investing. And I find that just so sad. I found this year a place where that I could just literally be consistent with small actions with very minimal time to be able to continue to grow my portfolio. This was something that I feel like I spend maybe two, three hours really kind of dealing with real estate investing. And I feel like I can just fit it into a lot of the other things that like I'm doing. Like I, I like networking with other real estate in investors. I like being able to keep in touch with my realtor to understand what's going on in the market. I love looking at properties. That's probably actually my favorite thing. Sometimes I get sad when I actually find a property too fast because I really like going and seeing what those possibilities are out there. But I realize that I do not have to sit down at 9 a.m. every morning and just focus on real estate until five o'clock. What I realize is that I can make my real estate investing work around the things that I want to do in my life. If I want to go to Greece for a week, I can go to Greece for a week and that's okay. And then I can decide this is going to be an hour that I'm going to spend looking at properties and that's going to be okay. And then I'm going to go out to some monuments and the Acropolis and the beach and do all the other things that I want to be able to do. And I feel like to me, that consistency was really what got me there. And I feel like just simply putting time on the calendar to say, this is what I'm going to focus on this week for my real estate portfolio. And just following through with that was probably what led to the successes and the wins that I had in 2023. So those are my wins, losses, and lessons for my recap of 2023. I would love to hear yours. So when this episode gets released, I'm actually going to be making a post in the Lady Landlords Facebook group. So you can also share your wins, your losses, and the lessons that you learned in 2023 with all of our other listeners. So keep an eye out for that post. I will make sure to tag that link down in the show notes as well, because I want to hear what you went through in 2023. I'm going to be releasing an episode now come 2024 that's going to be talking about my goals and what I expect to see within market and interest rates and all of those economic projections in the new year. So make sure to hit the subscribe button so you do not miss another episode of the Lady Landlords podcast. We release new episodes every single Tuesday. Also, if you enjoyed today's episode, please make sure to leave a five-star review. What that does is that helps other women that are looking for a community and support within real estate investing, it helps them find our family. So thank you for taking the time to do that. I appreciate that. 
And I will see you next Tuesday for our next episode of the Lady Landlords Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Lady Landlords Podcast. If you're feeling stuck in your real estate investing journey, visit lady-landlord.com to book a 15-minute orientation call with me and see if you're ready to join our mentorship program. Or you can subscribe to our newsletter and join our Facebook group for exclusive real estate investing tips and offers. Invest with confidence. Become a lady landlord today.